Thanks for joining today. We're going to be discussing a topic that was in the news recently pertaining to uh, congressional discussion and the nutrients that we might find in some of the school lunches. But before we get started, if you are enjoying what we're putting out there, please make sure you're clicking that uh, like button, clicking that subscribe button, sharing out with your friends and family with what we're producing. And so let's go ahead and let's uh, get started. Recently, we were given the gem of an idea that came from a discussion about school lunches in which we were given the idea, quote, the nutrients in whole milk, like protein, calcium, and vitamin D, provide the fuel Santa needs to travel the whole globe in one night. Whole milk is the unsung hero of his Christmas journey. Well, this leads to a question. Does it really matter what kind of milk Santa drinks? Well, let's talk about that. Warning. The following presentation contains information that might contradict what you have previously heard, or believed to be true, about how the human body works, and contains material that is not suitable for closed-minded individuals. Enjoy. Before we uh, get into all of the various uh, scientific components to the quote that I gave you, let's go ahead and let's listen to the uh, quote in its entirety so that uh, everybody has a background to what we're going to be discussing here. Whole milk is the unsung hero of his Christmas journey. Protein helps build and repair Santa's muscles. Hoisting heavy sacks of gifts up and down the chimney is no easy task. You see, it's not just the magic of the season that helps Santa deliver presents worldwide, it's also the fortifying nutrients of whole milk. Reflecting on Christmas traditions this year begs the question, if whole milk is a good option to fuel Santa's extraordinary Christmas Eve journey, then why isn't it an option for American school children in their lunchrooms? An interesting question posed at the end of the of the comment. Why isn't whole milk offered? Is it a difference in nutrients that we might find in whole milk relative to what we see in a 2% milk, a 1% milk, a skim milk, or a non-dairy milk? But there are other issues that we must deal with related to the comments made by the representative, by the congressperson. And it's what nutrients do we need in order to have strong muscles and strong bones? And what actually leads to strong muscles and strong bones? Are there things that we find in milk that we wouldn't find in other sources of nutrients that might provide Santa and children the nutrients they need in order to be able to grow, in order to perform, in order to be the best that they're able to be? And so we'll take this step by step. And let's start off by discussing what types of things actually lead to stronger bones, stronger muscles, and thus allow for Santa to haul around all the toys, or for children to grow stronger and bigger. When we look at what actually leads to bone growth, what actually causes bones to become stronger, we have been led astray by marketing, marketing by the dairy groups that indicate that milk and calcium leads to stronger bones. 
While calcium and the protein that we might find in milk is a component of bone tissue, bone itself is going to grow. Bone itself is going to become stronger based off of a combination of signals, one of which might be nutrients. Nutrients such as calcium and protein that we might get from milk. But it's more reliant upon how often we are using the bones, how much loading we have on the bones that allow for bones to grow and become strong, not how much calcium is in our foods or how much protein we might have. If I'm starving myself, if I am malnourished, my bones will become weaker. And that's because the body is going to be stripping the nutrients that are found within bones to meet the metabolic demands for other tissues throughout the body. But it's not just bones that will be stripped. It will also be muscle. It will also be fat. Muscle and fat coming away from other tissues, whether it's connective tissues like bone or muscle tissue like skeletal muscle. And so what's going to cause skeletal muscles to become stronger? What's going to cause skeletal muscles to become bigger? Well, in combination with loading and activity, muscles will grow when they become overloaded, when they have to work against bigger and stronger resistances, things that they have to move against, such as having to haul around bags of toys or for students having to haul around the backpacks of books that we make them have to haul around, or simply playing on the playground and moving against their own body weight. Along with activity, we also have to deal with a whole bunch of hormonal signals, hormones that are going to cause the tissues to grow through regulation of various types of genes that get turned on or turned off based off of the hormone signals in combination with the stresses of activity and the availability of nutrients. And so to stipulate that it is milk that's going to allow for the stronger bones and stronger muscles leads us astray in terms of the discussion as to should children be able to access whole milk relative to 2% milk relative to 1% milk relative to skim milk or their non-dairy counterparts. So we know it's not about milk as it relates to bone and muscle health all by itself. But what's the difference that we might find nutritionally in between the various types of milk that we might have? Now, based off of standardization, it's kind of hard to say anything about the non-dairy milk that's out there because there's no set values across the board that we see. But we do know that the whole entire thing here in terms of the nutrition that gets missed in most of the conversations is that, remember, it's not about calories. It's about the nutrient requirements and meeting nutrient requirements for the body. Those being the carbs, the fats, and the proteins, as well as all of the other micronutrients that we might need. The 2 to 4 grams per pound or 2.5 to 10 grams per kilogram of body mass for carbohydrates, minimum of about 120 grams 
in the day. For the fats, about half a gram to a gram per pound, or about 0.8 to about 1.4 grams per kilogram of body mass. Remember that we have to have our omega-3s and our omega-6s in there, along with our proteins at about 0.5 to about 2 grams per pound, or about 0.8 to about 2.2 grams per kilogram. And so when we start looking at this, we have to remember that it's not about the calories is about the nutrients and the difference in nutrients and the difference in the nutrients that we might see coming out of the various milk products. And so once again, looking at the standards that we have for the cow milk relative to other mammal milks that we might find on the grocery shelves. If we start looking at the differences that we see in the various macronutrients, there's not a lot of difference that we see in between the whole versus the 2% versus the 1% versus the skim on most of the macronutrients that we're looking at as it relates to what our overall needs happen to be. Now, if we start looking at the, the fat loads themselves, there's going to be more fat, yes, in the whole versus the 2% versus the 1% versus the skim. But that difference that we see in fat is not an exorbitant amount of fat, particularly if we start looking at how much fat is needed by body mass per day, particularly for individuals who are growing and growing exponentially as what we see with our children, which is what the argument happens to be in terms of school lunches. As we continue to look at the various things that we might find within the milk and the differences that we might see in between the 1%, 2% skim and whole, we start seeing some differences, once again, within the fats and the types of fats. But what we're able to do is we're able to see that we can get a good amount of the requirements for our omega-3s and our omega-6s from the whole milk relative to what we might be able to find with the skim 1% or 2%, we see that we get slightly higher values in terms of some of the amino acids in the lower fat content milks relative to the whole milk. We also see that we see a slight difference in some of the vitamin that we get. Part of that has to deal with fortification that takes place with the less than whole milk that we happen to have. One of the things we have to start worrying about as we start looking at what values we see within the milks and the milk products is the non-essential and essential amino acids that we have, and are we meeting the requirements for those factors in terms of essential versus non-essential, particularly start looking at the amount of certain types of amino acids that we might need within our diet within a given day, particularly start looking at the values for uh things like uh, methionine and cysteine, in which we need to make sure we have about uh, 14 milligrams per kilogram of body mass, about seven milligrams per pound for those. We also wanna make sure that we're getting uh, our branch chain amino acids in there, needing about five to 20 grams per day total. 
And so when we start looking at this idea as it relates to nutrition, one of the things we have to remember is that the idea of whole milk versus uh, 1% versus 2% versus skim, the idea about nutrition as having whole milk being better than 2%, better than 1%, better than skim, it doesn't really hold true. And so we're kind of left with an idea of, okay, how do I make sense out of all of the nonsense? How can we figure out, is there a best milk to serve? And the answer to that is that it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And so what's the debate about? Why are we having this this argument? And it's really about dogma. It's about the need to stipulate that my way of thinking about food is better than your way of thinking about food, or that there are somehow better foods to eat based off of some myths and misconceptions that are out in the populace. That there's foods that we need to avoid, that there are foods that are taboo for us to eat. One of the taboos that has been in uh, popular ideas for a long period of time is that fat is bad, and fat is necessary within the diet. And when we start looking at most of the discussion that we look at as it relates to milk and milk types, is that idea of whole milk being super fatty, 2% only having 2% fat, 1% only having 1% fat, and skim milk having no fat. And that's not the case. Look at the differences within the table that we just scrolled through. There is not a large difference in terms of the grams per serving of milk in between the various types of milk product. And so the idea that one happens to be better than the other is related to a missed idea that somehow fat in the diet is bad for me, that fat in the diet is something I don't want to have. But what we have to remember is, is that what we're trying to deal with here is we're trying to make sure that our nutrient balance is holding true. My nutrient intake is meeting my nutrient utilization. And when we start looking at, particularly for children, the necessity for having additional nutrients is there. And so to stipulate that we should be foregoing whole milk within school nutrition paints a bad picture for students as to what nutrients they need in order to make sure that their nutrient balance is being met. But at the same time, to stipulate that we should not have the other fats there does the same exact thing. To stipulate that one type of food is better than the other type of food paints a picture that leads to food issues and can actually cause issues for students as to what is healthy or not healthy to eat. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching the very quick discussion that we had on the takeaway from the talking points. Uh, we'll try to get a little bit more detail in this, try to pull in a couple of the other people who have joined the podcast and the talks to get some uh, deeper ideas going and deeper conversations. Please make sure that you uh, check out and listen to all of the full podcast to get all of the great details that we've already talked about.
If you like what we're putting out there, please make sure that you are clicking that subscribe button, clicking that like button. If you want to stay up to date, click the alert button. Give us that five-star rating in the reviews. Share out what we're putting out there with all your friends and family. Help, with, help us with the algorithms. And make sure to follow us on all of the platforms that we are publishing on.